Texture. It's Josh Gaines. I'm back. Whoa, how did you get in here? Oh my gosh, you downloaded it through your audio listening app. Welcome to Texture, the program. This week, Texture is about, you know, this goes back to the to the root title of the show, baby. Texture is called Texture because everything that we interact with in our lives be it food or people or surfaces that we walk upon or things that we touch with our hands or things that we look at with our eyes, they all have a different literal texture, a different feeling, a different sensation, a different quality, depth, nuance, all those things. And one of the biggest nuances, one of the biggest sources of texture and difference and just life and color that we have are other people, right? So this week, Texture is about my wife, who I wanted to have on, in the heart of just communicating that everyone has a story. Everyone has um, depth and a... A personality, everyone has struggles, everyone has difficulty and joy and things that they that bring them life. And anyway, I don't need to describe or define that for you because you probably know what I'm talking about. You're a person yourself with your own story, with your own unique qualities. And so anyway, it's it was important to me because Emmy just has endured a lot in her life and particularly in the past few years. And I wanted to use this platform that I have to draw attention to that and also to hopefully um, just bring hope and life and encouragement to others with a similar story or with similar backgrounds or uh, difficulties who can just take, take heart from this, take life and encouragement and yeah, just glean from it. Or maybe it's just an interesting story, an interesting uh, sort of overview of someone's current life. But anyway, I felt that with uh, with an unbiased, just sort of journalistic outsider's approach, even though obviously I am biased and, and intimately close to this woman, uh, I believe that her story deserves being heard. So that's what we're going to do right here, right now on Texture. Here's a conversation with my wife, Emmy, and I. Well, hi, Emmy. <laughs> hi, Joshua. <laughs> um, what do you tell people when they ask you, when you meet new people and they ask you what you do, what do you tell them at this point in life? I still tell them I'm a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, I mean, if it's another mom, I'm a mom. 
Uh, yeah, yoga teacher. Okay. Yeah. Right. But your ability to shoot photos has been limited quite a bit over the past several years. Yeah. Based on what your business used to be and what it is now. Yeah. What does it look like these days? Um, it looks more like just shooting whatever comes my way. Um, I want, I want to move towards more celebrating marriages because it, uh, fits with what's on my heart, what's in my life and, um, what I'm capable of doing right now. I, I can't shoot the, the 12 hour, 14 hour wedding days anymore. Right. Yeah. Which is primarily what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. When, when did you first start to notice that you did not feel right, that your body felt off? Was it the diet stuff that set in first? I think this one's really hard for me because I, when I, when I was younger, I always felt like, I always felt like I was kind of sick when I was younger. Um, and I had this gloomy thought of like, Oh, what if I'm really sick and have one of those horrible diseases no one can ever cure? But then I just thought I was being a faker because I was infamous for faking uh, stomach aches to get out of chores when I was little. Um, but uh, I think it really started soon after we got married in 2011. I started having like stomach issues. Uh, or we got married in 2010, sure. but 2011 is when it started and started having stomach issues. And then we moved to Denver and I uh, started getting dizzy spells and that's when I think everything kind of started. Um, I guess it would help to tell people what, what it is that you have finally been diagnosed with, what it is that you have as of today to your understanding. Yeah, so I have diagnosed something called POTS. Um, which but, is an acronym, P-O-T-S. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> as much as we'd like to think as cholera and smoke a lot of POTS, it actually is a disease um, called, it stands for postor, Postorial Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. Um, and it's a <clears throat> under the umbrella of dysautonomia, which basically stands for the dysfunction of your atomic nervous system. So everything your brain controls without you thinking about it, every organ, every system, mine's in disarray. And I also have um, palindromic rheumatism, which is a form of autoimmune disease that attacks your joints and leaves swelling in your joints for periods of times and comes and goes in fluctuations, but it doesn't stay and damage your joints like rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. And it's been a long road too even get to those diagnoses yeah, to finally have a title for them. Right. Yeah. I think the POTS definitely started when I started getting the dizziness. Um, and I had that through pregnancy and no one knew what it was and did everything, um, to figure out what it was and actually was diagnosed with the palindromic rheumatism first after being in a year of braces thinking I had tendonitis. Right. Arm braces. Yeah. Yeah. Or wrist braces. Um, and early on, as I recall, <clears throat> we thought it was just that, that it was just food allergies at first that I feel like gluten was the very first one. 
and then it was dairy and then sugar and there was a series of things where you just kept noticing food was bothering you um, and that you had to keep cutting things out of your diet and that was a long period of I mean really when was the last time you had gluten or when was the last time you cut that out like four years ago only because that was kind of the start of it, to my memory. Well, yeah, so I actually cut gluten out initially because I actually started breaking out in rashes. Um, that was prior to my tendonitis. I had, like, severe rashes all over my arms and legs and sometimes think that was worse than the pain of um, the, auto, the arthritis. But, yeah, I cut gluten out first because that's kind of... I was like, oh, can't hurt to cut gluten out with the rashes. And my dermatologist agreed that couldn't hurt to try that first. Right. Um, but yeah, that was 2005. So it's been three years. 2015, yeah. you mean? Sorry, 2015. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to my memory, it was just a whole lot of doctor visits in between yeah. and sometimes helpful doctors, sometimes very condescending doctors who basically didn't think anything was wrong with you or that thought you were making it up or thought it was psychological. Yeah. I had multiple doctors say I had depression, yeah. which I do think at some point it was relevant, but I think it was uh, symptomatic depression from how sick I felt and come into doctors and even new doctors and give them a list of all my symptoms and they would kind of be like, whoa, let's address one thing at a time. And uh, it wasn't until I met my rheumatologist that someone, that he'd be like, okay, we're going to figure this out. And tell people what that term means. Oh, so rheumatologists, they usually uh, deal with arthritis, inflammatory issues in the body. Most people that go into rheumatologist's office are, you know, the elderly that the little granny is walking in a walker their joints aren't working very well anymore um but yeah they they deal with the inflammation in the body right and you're 29 years old seeing this same person right the yeah. same specialist yeah I was always the youngest person in the doctor's office right what are some of the things that you have lost since getting sick uh, <laughs> like we could be here for hours. Um, I feel like I don't even, some days I feel like I'm kind of lost as a person because so much has been taken away. Um, I've been adventurous my whole life and I used to be a rock climber, snowboarder, dancer, and I cannot do any of those things anymore. I've tried. <laughs> I tried to dance the past year, um, but after multiple times passing out in the middle of a turn, uh, decided that was probably not super wise to continue with my pots. Um, so yeah, my sense of adventure has been taken away. Not not sense of adventure, but my ability to adventure and experience life to the depth that I wanted to has been taken away. A lot of food has been taken away in attempts to seek healing I've addressed uh, addressed it alternatively um, seeking alternative ways of healing versus medications and traditional medicine since none of them have proved to be helpful for anyone so far to have a better life 
Um, they just manage symptoms usually or cover them up mostly and cause more severe consequences. And in my body, experience that personally. So I've lost food because I'm on very extreme diets that minimize my symptoms a lot. They don't eliminate them by any means, but I don't battle with as many symptoms because of the diet. So that's definitely gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my business was taken away. My photography business was taken away for a period of time because I, I literally couldn't hold my camera without being in an excruciating pain in my wrists. Right. Um, carrying my daughter, that was that was the hardest. I think of everything. My daughter was two when my joint pain started, and I was told I couldn't pick her up because they thought it was tendonitis and I needed to let my wrists heal. So I didn't. I couldn't pick her up normally, and it, it took us about five months to figure out how to hold her without using my wrists. Um, at one point, I couldn't even butt my pants. Right. Yeah. And go into detail about the, because I feel like the sort of arthritis-like symptoms aren't as prominent now, but what is prominent is your fatigue and your uh, rises and drops in blood pressure and just how dizzy you feel. Describe what sets that off and what your day-to-day life is like and having to keep just be mindful of your blood pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So the diet definitely helps my, um, the arthritis be a lot better. Definitely does get worse when I use my camera or I'm excessive with my hands and doing anything like I can't clean anymore, uh, without being in pain again from that. But, um, yeah, the pots definitely shows up a lot. Um, just in standing, like, if our daughter wakes up in the middle of the night, I can't jump out of bed without feeling woozy and like I'm going to fall over. Um, because part of POTS is that your blood pressure, your heart can't regulate itself anymore. So um, blood pools in whatever direction gravity you're at. So usually if you're standing, blood pools in your legs and it doesn't ever get to your heart or your brain. Um, so the impact is your blood pressure drops to... Uh, scary number so I believe most people's blood pressure should be like 120 over 80 and when I'm standing for 20 minutes or longer mine gets over to over 56 over whatever my heart rate is which pretty much is the reverse so 56 over like 120 <laughs> yeah. um, so you begin to feel nauseous first dizzy you feel like you're a little bit on your merry-go-round and the world is spinning. If you've ever had vertigo, it's it's kind of similar. Um, my my next symptom is that I get when my blood pressure drops, and I know it's dangerous as nausea. I start to get nauseous, um, and that's that's my cue to I need to sit down now, or I'm going to pass out. Right. Yeah. So that just affects daily life. So you know, we have a kitchen stool that I cook in the kitchen to be able to be able to. Uh, cook while sitting down. Yeah, cook while sitting down. <laughs> yeah. um, I often sit crossed leg. That also helps keep your blood from pooling in your legs um, and your arms cross. Uh, yoga has been a huge relief for my body because there's a lot of postures in yoga that you can actually help the circulation go back to your head and heart just for a period of time. And I feel most normal upside down <laughs> because it's the first time in a long time blood the right amount of blood is in my brain. 
you. Um, yeah, the biggest thing is another thing is brain fog because not enough circulation is going to my brain. It's it's hard for me to think straight sometimes. Right. Yoga has been kind of a beautiful discovery yeah. in helping in this because I feel like prior to you getting sick, you would do yoga every once in a while, but you had so many other physical activities that yoga was just kind of like, yeah, if you feel like it. But now it's it's pretty essential. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually hated yoga before because I hated being slow and methodical and I was just like I just want to dance I don't want to sit here in this pose and breathe deep and clear my mind (laughs) but now uh now it's a a place of peace for me it's a a time of relief that that I still get to enjoy because you know when you're an active person part of being active is that escapism you get to escape from your brain for a little bit um, and go into another world and just where you're just present in that moment. And um, yoga has been that again for me. To be able to just be in the moment, be in your body. And I practice um, holy yoga, which is just Christ-centered yoga. So it's also a time of worship for me. Yeah. Something that I feel like has changed since you've been sick as well is that you have so much trouble sleeping um or or at least that you have to be very disciplined about your pre-bedtime practice to even get yourself to sleep so um because yeah at least early years in marriage i feel like you didn't have any trouble oh no i love sleep (laughs) well sure sure (laughs) but you could fall asleep and just go to sleep kind of regardless of what you had done that day yeah, and uh, didn't have to have special tea and like a heating pad and oils. And (laughs) so, I mean, describe your current bedtime routine that if it doesn't happen, your, your sleep is messed up. Oh yeah. Um, I I think it, it honestly starts in the beginning of the day. If I do too much, um, I wear my adrenal glands out. So part of POTS is you produce too much cortisol, which is the hormone your adrenal glands produce you know, flight or flight hormones. So when I do, when my body produces that hormone, it overproduces it, uh, it doubles it up. So my adrenal glands work twice as hard as a normal person's. Um, and so any stress affects me very dramatically. So if I overexert myself during the day, I don't sleep as well at night because those hormones are still just raging in my system. And that leads to pretty severe insomnia for me. Um, so it starts in just the beginning of the day. I have to be mindful of my energy and stress levels and take care of that. But, um, in the evening I can't look at screens 30 minutes before bed. Definitely affects my sleep. I have a combination of tea and herbs and essential oils that has like been my magic trick to finally get some sleep. Um, there's a stuff called nighty night tea, which has valerian root in it and lemon balm. I drink that before bed. Um, and just a little bit, I don't drink a lot, um, because another part of POTS is actually your bladder doesn't work as well, which is great and annoying. Um, 
and I diffuse eucalyptus and lavender at night and the both together because lavender actually lowers your blood pressure, which I don't need mine lowered, and eucalyptus raises it. So they balances each other out to get the lavender that kind of chills you out. Um, the, and, and then I also take magnesium and melatonin capsules to sleep. Yeah. Um, the heating pad is just mostly for my pain. <laughs> Right. to help kind of get it to calm down before I go to sleep. Usually a warm bath, too, that always helps, too. Yeah, which is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot That's just a to lot. sleep. <laughs> just to do a very basic practice that a lot of people do without even thinking about. I know I'm jumping around, but I keep thinking of different things. There was an occasion about, I mean, I think it's been almost two years now, where you passed out in the kitchen or at least blacked out mm. um i was gone on a business trip in phoenix and was actually on my way home but you had basically tipped it you were home alone with olive our daughter and well you can tell the rest but just what do you think happened that time and where were you in your yeah so i hadn't been diagnosed with pots yet and i had my stomach trouble had gotten out of control so much so that i had lost I think 15 or so pounds in the span of like two months. And so I was in the care of, um, a, a, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting what they're called. Uh, gastro, gastro something. Called, yeah. Uh, so I was working with them and, um, I had, I hadn't started passing out yet. This was one of the first times I had, uh, but yeah, I was just in the kitchen getting dinner. I was really, really tired I felt really worn out from Josh being gone and just being a mom. And I was just like, I just have to get dinner together and get this girl to bed. And and so I was like just pushing through, I was leaning on the counters because I, I, I could barely just get stuff in the microwave um, to care for my daughter. And I was just, you know, just trying to push through to get, to get the over with the night so I could go rest. Um, and within a few minutes, I just like felt like my legs gave out and I started to black out. And the next thing I know, I was on the ground. Um, and I thankfully, my daughter was old enough. She was three and she knew where my phone was. And I didn't stay passed out for very long. And I was able to um, call my neighbors and in tears, uh, telling them I had passed out and I need help. Um, and then my sister and my brother-in-law were actually able to come over and stay with me the rest of the night. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty scary. You know, your body completely failing you and having no idea what was going on. Right. And there was another occasion prior to that where, um, we ended up in the ER when Olive was younger. I think we had done a family bike ride that day. Oh, yeah. And that was, I mean, this was a while back in terms of your sickness because obviously you were well enough to ride a bike, which Mm -hmm. you couldn't do today. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it wasn't even a long, strenuous bike ride. It was a couple blocks, except for the fact that you had a big hill to go up. um, And it ended in you. I mean, I remember... You basically putting your arm around my shoulder 
because you could not physically hold yourself up. It was that you would push through this bike ride and then absolutely crash to your body without even meaning to or realizing that that would happen. Um, And this was kind of in the evening. And so I got Olive to bed. Um, But then you crashed in bed and could not physically get up. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't move my legs anymore. Right. Um, yeah, I think that was the beginning of POTS. And the ironic part, if, you know, POTS is actually very, very a common illness. Uh, there's just not a lot known about it. And sadly, not a lot of doctors know about it. Um, I wish I had some stats pulled up for you guys. But uh, I think it's like 1 in 40 thousand people have POTS or something like that. Oh, I could be way wrong about that, but it's a lot more common than people realize. Um, but one of the uh, major factors actually we have low potassium levels. Everyone with POTS has low potassium levels. And that was like when we went to the ER, they did a brain scan. They did blood work up the wazoo. They did absolutely everything, um, they can do in the ER CT scan, nothing. The only thing they found was I had low potassium and um, that I had been dizzy for a long time. That I had been dizzy since um, 2011 was the only thing I was able to tell them. And um, I don't think, I think that was the hard part though, is that my blood pressure wasn't too scary even, you know, and they, your blood pressures, my, my blood pressure looks slightly normal when I lay down. It just looks like I'm a really healthy fit person when I'm sitting down, but when I stand up and they take it, that's when you can tell I have POTS. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if there was more education about there, about POTS in the world, they probably would have been able to more easily know what was wrong with me. Um, but the funny part is I felt better after they gave me potassium and IV fluid, which as a, knowing that as a POTS patient now, that makes sense because... IV fluid is actually really, really helpful for a lot of POTS patients to get well Hmm. or to be functional, not well. (laughs) Yeah. The whole Western medicine is a interesting element to all this, which I only have a small taste of for the appointments that I've been there with you for. Um, And anyone who ends up hearing this, who does have POTS or, or another similar, you know, something within the dysautonomia umbrella, um, will probably recognize just that I, I feel like so many times doctors and nurses just didn't know what to do with you, that all the common sort of symptoms or the common, uh, diagnoses, weren't accurate um they would sort of go through their their head of knowledge for what they had been trained for and the medications and the the things to treat or to look for and nothing ever fully matched up and even i mean in in one case with with one doctor it seems like he just sort of got tired of seeing you and and was just kind of like well i you know i can't do anything and Sorry. So anyway, that just says to me, especially if so many people have this and that they don't know what it is that, that, I don't know, that just has to be daunting. Obviously I know for us it is, but I'm thinking of the wider spectrum of people with POTS that it's daunting and discouraging to go into the doctor who is supposed to be sort of like the helper who is supposed to be the 
the person that we can turn to when we don't feel well and have an answer. And I mean, some of them wanted to put you on medication that we already knew wasn't going to be helpful for your body. Yeah. Well, and you know, I I was willing to try one of the medications. I've been very anti-medication my whole life. I will suffer through a lot of pain before like, you know, normal people pain of like sore muscles or whatever, you know, sprain something before I take ibuprofen even. Um, but you know, I did, I did try one of the medications for, um, palindromic rheumatism and after six months it didn't help. So went off of it and tried one day of one of the medications that do help a lot of people with POTS, which is called Florinef. And, uh, the very rare side effect of it is chronic yeast infections. And I got, after one, one take, I got six months of yeast infections, um, which I now know working with another MD that, Certain people actually have uh, don't have the proper enzymes in their bodies, um, in their livers, to, to process um, prescription drugs, which uh, is interesting to me, but also kind of scary of like how do people are taking medications that they don't see any improvement, but they don't know what else to do because our our culture is only taught, our Western medicine is only taught here here's a pill to fix this instead of what can you do to change your lifestyle to change you know what's happening in your life to be well and that that's where like this huge movement now is of of alternative medicine and people coming out of the word woodwork with ways to heal people because at least in America that's that's the thing is everyone just gives you a pill like you ask most doctors, okay, what else can I do besides taking medication to be well? And like even my cardiologist, which is the main person that diagnoses POTS, his only response was wear compression tights and drink more water and salt together. That was his only answer. Yeah. Um, and, there, and there's so much more you can do for POTS than add more salt to your diet. Right. It seems like our experience has shown us that, that yes, in general, most doctors want to just be able to prescribe you something so that you feel better, that is not necessarily addressing the root issue. And that in, I know this is a generalization of doctors and of, of, you know, prescribing or, or diagnosing, but just that if you think of the span of America and the things we go to the doctor for that sure many of them we can get a pill for so that we just feel normal again or feel numb or happy or whatever and can go on with regular life and I think that's why you were a a frustration and a unique case and I mean I I remember thinking too just like surely you are not the only person coming in this doctor's office with this i mean you might be rare but they were treating you like an alien that they had never seen before like things that they had you know what i mean just like you were one out of 10 million yeah i mean and and too just i want to clarify this though there are some people that the medications really do help them and I, I have many uh, friends that actually have to be on certain medications and they are sincerely helping them be more functional 
and that's I'm I'm very glad for that. So I'm not like anti-medication. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not telling everyone you need to get off your medication to feel better, but sure. I do think at the end of the day, in approaching any health, the whole being, your whole being needs to be addressed. And I think that's been that's one been one huge blessing in this whole process for me is that prior to getting sick, I had never thought about that. I'd never taken care of my body. I'd never listened to my body before. Um, and now I have to listen to my body. <laughs> yeah. Or or it will speak louder than I can function. Um, right. Yeah. But it, I feel like it's made me more of a whole person because I'm, I'm more aware of my body. I'm more aware of my emotions. And my personality type is that I could could have gone on my whole life without avoiding my emotions well except for maybe being married to you (laughs) right very true a couple other elements i want to touch on in this it's amazing how the people in our lives um either don't understand how sick you are because you don't look sick on the outside yeah or uh, i think in some cases people don't believe that you actually are sick I don't know if they think that you're actually making it up, but um, they might think that you're just being a big baby and that you need to toughen up and deal with it. And that is is daunting because it's just so nuanced and it's different with every person. And me, as your husband, uh, am protective of you. Um, And it's like I just want to strangle some people or shake them or slap them in the face. And just be like, you don't know what we've lived through. You don't know what our day-to-day lives are like. You don't know what we've lost. You don't know what we've given up. You you haven't been there in those doctor's offices. And and there's no, I mean, there's no way I could ever have that satisfaction. And, and I don't need it. Um, or I don't need every person that you encounter to understand that. But any anyone who hears this, who has any form of, autoimmune disease probably has some form of that experience of just even the people closest in their lives who they love and who supposedly love them the most don't believe or don't see or don't understand how truly sick they are and what they put up with. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true of any illness, mental, uh, you know, most people don't want to admit that we live in a broken world, that people are sick. It makes them face the reality of of hard hardship, and no one wants to sit in that sadness, and no one wants to believe someone's life is sincerely hard because that makes them them have to confront what's hard in their lives. They we just want to be distracted. We don't want to deal with what's really what's really going what's really wrong, and be confronted by reality. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think, you know, a lot of illnesses are invisible, you know, um, and I, I haven't gotten a lot of this kickback, um, from people mostly because I just don't allow people in my life that are like this, but, um, you know, most people are like, Oh, have you tried herbs? Or, you know, people give you stupid advice where it's like, you haven't even looked up my illness. Like you can't, you can't give someone advice when you even know what's wrong with them, let alone lived in their shoes. Right. Um, I mean, I understand people's intentions. They want to help you feel better. 
or they don't want you to talk about it anymore. Um, but you know, it's a little more complicated that it's like, you have to get to be in someone's life before you can offer advice. Right. Yeah. Everybody has a suggestion or an opinion. And I mean, most of those are with good intentions. Um, they just think they're being helpful, but yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of like offering you extremely amateur insight into something that you have a doctorate in <laughs> as yeah. far as experience and depth and research. And Well, that's even the hard part is like, you know, even going to see new doctors or going to an ER visit, I know more about my health than these physicians do, <laughs> which is quite frightening. Um, you know, I know other people with thoughts and other chronic illnesses that they actually go into these visits with a paperwork to hand out. This is my illness. This is what I have. This is how you deal with it. Yeah. This is what I need. Um, which is a bit scary that, uh, you know, there's so much that we don't know in medicine and that needs to be known, but also... Uh, how complex things are and that there are a lot of people that you have to be your own self-advocate. Yeah. And you have to uh, endure people who are in your own family who think that the only thing you need at a restaurant is for it to be gluten-free <laughs> and that you can just eat anything there. <laughs> yeah. And it's quite a bit more complex than that. Yeah. And that's okay if I just like, there's accidentally some sugar on my nuts. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, things are pretty consequential when you're chronically ill if you just come into any cross-contamination and eating out. The last thing I was going to ask about was just that, I mean, on the sort of more positive side of this, you have found some small community around this just on social media and on uh, other sites and articles and just through your illness you've found other people who... Are, are walking through these same things and in some cases worse. Yeah. Yeah. It really, uh, yeah. Looking on Instagram, honestly, following other people who have POTS and um, just posting and sharing their story and like letting that be an outlet. I actually started my own Instagram account just to, when I need an outlet to share with other people what's really going on and be real. Um, being, being a business owner, I can't, I can't share my chronic illness story with people, scare them away also. Um, and I'll lose their trust and confidence in me being able to do my job. Um, which obviously we don't want, but I, you know, I needed a place to be real and, you know, I'm thankful for the day and age of social media and being able to do that with the account I have. Um, but also another place was, uh, there's this website called themighty.com that isn't really helpful. They post articles about being chronically ill and anyone can submit a story that has advice or help for people just dealing with any, any type of illness, mental or uh, physical or both. It's been a huge resource. Yeah. And it's made, uh, I've actually made a good friend who lives here in Denver that I got to actually work with as a photographer um, a couple months ago. That was a lot of fun that I would have never met her, but she's, she's a delight and joy. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say when you're not feeling bad, 
but I should rather phrase it as uh, when you're able to do something enjoyable, whether you feel crummy that day or not, what, what does get you excited these days? What does get you out of bed? What are you, you know, what brings you joy in this sort of limited phase of life yeah. where you can't do all the things that you used to do? Uh, I think my personality is what gets me out of bed. <laughs> For those of you fans of the Enneagram, I'm a seven. Uh, so uh, I'm naturally excited about everything in life. So I'm like, sunshine, <laughs> the sun's out today. <laughs> uh, as Josh Snickers said, it's actually sincerely true. I get excited about sunsets every single day. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely do have dark days and feel overwhelmed by the grief and that does happen frequently but I think the biggest thing that gets me out of bed is my daughter like I you know like when I do go to those really dark places in the grief of being sick of that uh God has gifted me with a child and she deserves a mother who's present and around and taking care of herself as best she can and some days that looks like I can't be a mom that day um, just even this week, I, uh, Josh was out of town in a film festival and I had to take care of her all weekend and I was just a vegetable most of the weekend, you know, just trying to save as much energy to do the essential things like make food and, um, get dressed and, you know, do things that I usually have his help with. Um, and then come by the fourth day I was done and I knew I wouldn't be able to do much that day and my daughter had she'd been so cooperative with me being sick and adopted to everything and but I knew she needed to get some energy out so that was the day I you know I asked a friend for help to watch her and took care of myself and rested that whole day which for my personality rest sometimes feels like a punishment <laughs> right yeah yeah because <clears throat> to explain that further to people who don't understand your personality wants to just do, do, do things all the time. And it's hard to, it's almost a discipline and a practice and an, an intention to let yourself rest yeah, and not do anything and, and be calm and still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's where the practices of yoga have helped me be okay with that and actually have fun being silent and meditating and uh enjoying that and there was this silly cartoon i ran across and it was a picture of a i think a horse that was just like black and white drawing and then it was like me before yoga and then it's the picture after this says me after doing yoga and it's a picture of a unicorn with rainbow stripes <laughs> and it's like that's perfectly describes how I feel after yoga and meditation. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it makes you feel magical when you get in, when you get really into it. You can get into it. Um, but yeah, I, th I, I think, you know, that's the thing. It's like, even though that's my personality to be excited about everything, I think uh, when you become sick, you have to find joy in the little things you can't. You can't wait for the next big adventure. You can't wait for what's ahead. Because you don't know what the next hour is going to look like. You could feel like crap in the next 30 minutes, you know, your body could turn. Right. Um, so you have to learn to enjoy the moment and be present. And and that's something I've been very thankful of and forced to learn. 
Um, I'm not sure I would have learned that otherwise. Uh, I feel like it's made me more of a, a peaceful person and thankful person to, to be more joyful in life and not just happy. I'm certainly proud of you for dealing with everything as you have. Oh, and uh, just in awe of your strength because I would be a big baby if I had all the things going on that you do. I probably would have just killed myself, actually, because that would be much easier than to endure all of what you have to do and put up with. But, um, yeah, I'm grateful that you've found so many ways to deal with it and to even, even thrive in it, you know, in the ways that you can by these practices, even though it's a lot of work and we both hope that this period of life is not forever and that you're not sick forever and that you can rock climb again and ballet dance and, um, ballet, not ballet. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I I pronounced that a little oddly, um, and eat at restaurants again. But, um, in, well, where can people find your chronic account and your, (laughs) (laughs) well, first of all, thanks for saying all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do think though, something that people can misplace is, uh, when you get sick, your whole family does too. Like Josh has had to become a different man too. Uh, he's become a servant and, and thoughtful and, Man, I'm so thankful I'm married to an empathetic person. I don't know anyone else that could take as much whining I do every single day. I'm like, oh, this hurts, that hurts. I can't deal with this anymore, blah, 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 every single day. Um, you know, he's definitely faced the brunt of it, too. And uh, I feel like sometimes it's even harder watching someone you love get sick and be sick because you can't, you're helpless to fix it. Um so, uh, you know, I'm I'm thankful for you too in the ways that it's forced you to grow and and strangely it's drawn us closer to in our marriage. Yeah. Um, we have unity over it <laughs> uh, and an affection for each other over the ways that we care for each other or we wouldn't have had to before. You know. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And also our daughter, she's adapted so well to everything. But yeah. Anyway, uh, people can find me at Chronic Beauty Hope on Instagram. That's my obviously my chronic account. Uh, if you want to follow my photography, uh, is searching photo on yeah. Instagram. Or searching for the light dot com. Yeah. Or searching for the light dot com. If you want to hire her. Yeah. And I, I'm going to soon start. Don't look at me like this. <laughs> I'm just I, I overdo everything. It's a problem in life. Okay. Uh, I start a yoga account. It's called Searching Yoga. Because um, I'll be teaching uh, uh, monthly, just a couple times a month, uh, a yoga class here in Denver. A Christian holy yoga cra- class. And I have a YouTube channel where I have uh, awesome three videos up <laughs> of modified uh, yoga for people with chronic illnesses because most people with chronic illnesses can't go into a normal class, especially with POTS. You like pass out halfway through just to 
normal 75 degree class. Right. Because that's just too hot for our bodies. To yeah. Workout. That's worth that's worth drawing attention to, and I will put links for each of those things in the show notes. Uh, but just that you've taken your yoga training and specifically uh, created flows for people with your illness yeah. to help them. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in every yoga flow I do in general. kind of has to be. <laughs> it has to be for that. So right. even when I'm, you know, teaching in-person classes, it will be chronic illness friendly because I'm not going to teach a flow I can't do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was a great conversation. And I'll see you later in our bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna go eat my brownies and watch Darrell's and Corfu. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna watch Star Trek and draw some more. But we'll sit together and touch hands. Because I make Josh do that. (laughs) That's our real lives. Thanks, everyone. Bye. That's it. That's my conversation with Emmy, also known as Emmy Gaines, my wife. If you want to check out Emmy's photography or follow her chronic illness story, then uh, the links to each of those accounts and those websites are in the show notes. If you're a fan of texture, if you appreciate what I'm doing, if you like the things that I have to say, then you can go to patreon.com slash texture pod and pledge as little as a dollar a month if you like to support the show and thank you to my patreon supporters who are already in existence thank you guys i love doing this i hope this week was good and fruitful and if nothing else made you go thank god my body is not as broken as emmy's or if it is then girl or boy, Lord help you and be kind and smile upon you and (laughs) give you peace and life and uh, strength for the next day because I know that these things are very real. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.